God's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. The disciples had left the Lord alone with the woman at the well while they went to buy food, and now they return. And we read in John chapter 4, verse 31, In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. We've gone to purchase this food. We brought it back. You need to eat. You'll remember that the Lord was wearied by his journey, and the disciples wanted him to be refreshed. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? They didn't understand what the Lord was saying. All they understood was physical food at this time. They had no idea what he meant. And then he makes this precious statement in verse 34. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. I've entitled this message, A Will Done and a Work Finished. Now, before the Lord cried from the cross in John chapter 19, verse 30, it is finished. He said several years before, my meat and drink is to do the will of him that sent me and finish his work. I don't know of a verse of scripture that gives me personally more comfort than this verse of scripture. When the Lord bowed his head from the cross and cried, it is finished. I love the way after that it says he gave up the ghost. He's the only one to ever do that. Death could not even take him until he gave it permission to come. It is finished. There's no part left for me to do. It is complete. There's nothing left undone. It is finished. My salvation was finished when he said, it is finished. What blessed words. It is finished. If you're wondering what you need to do, listen. It 
is finished. There's nothing you can do to add to his work. It is finished. You're called upon and I'm called upon to believe on him who finished the work. Nothing left for me to do. It is finished. Oh, I pray that God will put this in our hearts. It is finished. Now, the Lord said in verse 34, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. I want to dwell just for a few moments on this uh, part of what the Lord said when he said, him that sent me. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. The Father sent him. He left heaven He was the second person. He is the second person of the Trinity, the uncreated Son of God. He left heaven because the Father sent him to do something. He said in John chapter 3, verse 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. Christ didn't come here to condemn. The world's already condemned by our sin. Here's why God sent his Son into the world that the world through him might be saved. That is why God sent his son. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, think about the glory of that statement. It's glorious if you're a sinner. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. God loves to save sinners. God delights in mercy. Now, if you're wondering if God is willing to save you, you're in some good company. The leper wondered if Christ was willing to save him. He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, he was sure the Lord had the ability to do it, but he wasn't sure of the Lord's willingness to do it. He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And you know what he heard the Lord say to him? I will. If you are a sinner needing cleansed, don't think that Christ is unwilling to save you. He said, I will be thou clean. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the sin-removing sacrifice for our sins. I'm going to read a passage from John chapter 6 in verse 38. The Lord said, for I came down from heaven. He said that on numerous occasions, and I'm sure when the people heard him say that, they heard him say, my existence did not begin on my birth date here on earth. I was before this. 
I was in heaven and I came down from heaven. Now, if I would say that, you would say you're crazy. And I'm sure that's what people were thinking when he said, I came down from heaven. What are you talking about? I came down from heaven. But let's read what he said. For I came down from heaven. Not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Well, why did he send him? Let's go and read him. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me. Let's stop there for a moment. All that he hath given me. He said in John six thirty seven, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Now, who are these people that the Father has given Christ? These are those he chose before time began to be saved. And he gave them to Christ for Christ to take full responsibility to save them. That's who these people are. These are the elect of God. God has people that he chose before time began. Ephesians 1, 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now look what he says. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. Now remember he said, my meat and drink is to do the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which sent him, that he save all the elect, that he not lose one of them. In John chapter 17, verse 4, what a glorious chapter John chapter 17 is. That's the Lord's great high priestly prayer for his people. And he makes this statement in John chapter 17, verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. Now here we find out what the Lord was doing when he walked upon this earth. He said, I have glorified thee upon the earth. Now, understand this. Christ's primary purpose for coming was to glorify his Father. Somebody says, didn't he come to meet our needs? Well, if we are people who need him, yes, he does meet our needs. But his primary purpose in coming was to glorify his Father. And that's what he said he did. I have glorified thee on the earth. You see, the work of Christ in saving sinners by the blood of his cross is the full manifestation of the glory of God. Every attribute of God is magnified in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, we read these words, and, you know, I suppose I almost would like to never preach a message without quoting this passage of Scripture. Christ is called in Revelation 13, verse 8, the Lamb slain 
from the foundation of the world. If you hear that statement, before the creation of the world, even then was Christ the Lamb slain. You see, before there was ever a sinner, there was a Savior. And God created the universe for His Son to come here and die on a cross to manifest His glory. Now somebody says, what do you mean by that? Good question. Every attribute of God is manifested clearly in the cross. God's purpose takes place in the cross. Uh, The cross was not a plan B. It's the eternal purpose of God. God's justice is magnified in the cross. No sin will go unpunished. If someone is brought into heaven, it'll be because they have a perfect righteousness. They don't have any sin. Christ put away that sin. God's power is manifest in the cross. Oh, his power to make my sin not to be. His wisdom is glorified in the cross. Hell, he's in his wisdom. He's made a way to be just and yet justify somebody like me. When I'm in and of myself unjust, yet his justice declares me to be righteous. That's through the power of the cross. He put away my sin. He gave me his righteousness. Every attribute of God is manifested. Oh, his love, his grace, his mercy, how they're magnified in the cross. Every attribute of God magnified and glorified in the cross of Christ. He said, I have glorified thee on the earth. Now, do you see God's glory in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you understand why Paul said, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul was an apostle. Paul wrote the scriptures. Well, God wrote the scriptures through Paul's pen. Paul was used greatly of God. He was brought into the third heavens and taught the gospel by Christ directly. He said, God forbid that I should glory in any of that. The only thing I'm going to glory in is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is all my salvation. Christ came to glorify his Father. And not only did he say, I've glorified thee on the earth, he said, I finished the work thou gavest me to do. Now back to John chapter 6, verse 38. For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. Now, this is the Father's will. Somebody says, what God's will? What is God's will? Here it is. This Lord tells us, this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, speaking of the elect. If you go into John chapter 17, the Lord's great high priestly prayer for his people, seven times in that one prayer, when we're permitted 
to listen in as Christ prays to his Father. Seven times he speaks of those you have given me. Why he said in verse 9 of that chapter, I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me. Now here is the will of the Father that everyone that he gave to the Son before time began, the Son would not lose even one. Now listen to me very carefully. Everybody that Jesus Christ died for will not be lost. There will not be anybody in hell that Jesus Christ died for. He's not going to lose one of them. You see, if he lost one the Father gave him, that means he would have failed in what the Father sent him to do. And the Lord Jesus Christ is incapable of failure. He says, this is the will of him that sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I won't lose one. Every sheep for whom Christ died is saved. That's what he meant when he said, it is finished. Their salvation is finished. It's accomplished. All the Father gave me, I have finished their salvation. It's accomplished. This is the will of him that sent me, of all which he hath given me. I should, not, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. Listen, everybody that Jesus Christ died for, they're going to be raised up on the last day, perfectly conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, without sin, without spot, without wrinkle, perfect in Christ Jesus. Now that is God's will, that everybody he gave to Christ be raised up on the last day. Remember he said, my meat and drink is to do the will of him that sent me. This is what the Lord gained pleasure from, doing his Father's will, how he loved his Father, how he loved his Father's glory, how he loved his people. He said, my meat, my my, what's necessary for me is to do the will of him that sent me and finish his work. Now, I haven't finished what the Father's will is if I don't read the next verse. Remember, everything God says is of critical importance. And if I leave out any part of it purposely, I'm not preaching the gospel. So let's go on reading. Now, the Lord says, this is the will of him that sent me, that of all which he hath given me, the elect, I won't lose one of them. They'll all be saved. Um, just by uh, most of what goes on under the name of Christianity says that Jesus Christ paid the sin debt of all humanity, but it's up to you as to whether or not you'll accept him as your personal savior. And if you do that, then you'll be forgiven. That's foolishness. That is not the gospel uh, it's not within a country mile of the gospel. It's, if Christ can die for you, but it's still, it's up to you as to whether or not you'll be saved. I know I won't be saved. I know I'll mess it up somehow, but thank God that can't be so. But let's go on reading verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son, and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Everyone that 
seeth the Son. Now, I've never seen the Son of God physically, neither have you. Uh, Someone who makes some kind of claim of having seen the Son of God physically, they're telling a lie. They have not seen him physically. I have not seen him physically, but I've seen him. I've seen him in his word. Now, how do you know when you've seen him? You've seen him when you know who he is. That's when you've seen him. When you know who he is. Now, I have heard preachers so many times talk about, do you have a personal relationship with God? Or do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, you don't find that kind of language in the scripture. Um, And if I'm starting to think about my personal relationship, it all becomes subjective. I start thinking about me and my relationship. And I want to just get out of the picture. I want to get myself out of the picture. I want to get you out of the picture. I'm not asking you about your personal relationship. I'm asking you, do you know who he is? He's God. He's man. He's the God-man. He's Lord. He's the absolute sovereign of the universe. He is the creator. He's the cause of all things. He's the only savior of sinners. His righteousness is the only righteousness God will accept. I know who he is. Now, you know what happens when someone knows who he is? Everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him. That's who knows who, those are the people who know who he is, the people who believe on him. Now, what does that mean to believe on him? The Apostle Paul put it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I know whom I have believed. Notice he didn't say, I know what I believe. Somebody says, here's what I believe. Well, that's not what Paul said. He said, I know whom I have believed. And in reality, what you believe will be completely predicated upon whom you believe. I know whom I have believed. I know who he is. And I am persuaded. I know whom I believed. I believe God. I believe on him. And I'm persuaded. And literally, I've been persuaded. I've been persuaded. Who persuaded him? God did. You see, when God persuades you, you're persuaded. Uh, If I persuade you, somebody else will talk you back out of it. But if God persuades you, you'll be persuaded. I know whom I have believed, relied upon. I believe who he is, and I am persuaded that he is able. There's when you know who he is. You're persuaded that he is able. You believe that he is able to save you with no contribution from you or your works. That's what you believe when you believe it is finished, isn't it? That means my works are not what saves me. Only his work 
it is finished. I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able because of who he is. He's almighty. He's all powerful. It's impossible for his will to not be done because of who he is. He's Lord of all. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now, where there's faith, there is this commitment. Now, usually when people think of commitment, they think of their personal commitment. This is not what Paul is talking about. Now, I want to be totally committed to Christ. I want to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. I want to be completely no holds. I want to be his. But this is not what Paul's talking about here. That word committed is entrusted. I have entrusted the complete salvation of my soul to who he is and what he did. Listen to me. I don't have a plan B. I don't have a backup plan. If he didn't do it all, I will not be saved. My only hope is that when he said it is finished, I have all God requires of me. That's my hope. My hope is that when Jesus Christ died, my sins were paid for. His righteousness is given to me and I stand before God justified because of who he is and the work he finished. He left nothing undone. Now, if you're thinking, what do I need to do? Quit thinking that way. It's finished. It's done. It's complete. Salvation complete by what he did. And that's what you believe when you believe the gospel. You believe him who finished the work. You rely on him who finished the work. You're not looking for a thing out of yourself. You're looking to him who finished the work. He said, my meat and my drink is to do the will of him that sent me. What he sent him to do? To save sinners. And that's precisely what he did. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the very opening chapter of the New Testament, we read these words, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. When he said, it is finished, it is no longer he shall save his people from their sins. It is he has saved his people from their sins. Completely saved by what he did. And it's all summarized by it is finished. Oh, thank the Lord for these words. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And that's to save his people and to finish, to complete his work. Now we have this message on DVD, CD. If you call the church or write, we'll send you a copy. If you look on our website, you can get the message off of our website. This is Todd Nybert praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. That's our prayer. Amen.
To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen.